Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed, episode number 21. We're all legal. Yeah, officially. I'm, I'm Kyle Gold. I'm uh, Cam Hirosaki, enjoying my 21st pod day with a glass of port. And we have in our redecorated, especially extra comfortable, undisclosed mountain bunker location, a special guest. I'm uh, the eternally sober, not tube. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. That's how you can tell that you're not tube, because that tube is a lush. <laughs> That's Are... why we never invite him around to parties. Well, I just don't like him. Well, you wouldn't. You're like matter and antimatter. Yes, if we combine, there'll be an explosion. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, so you, we got... You folks at home missed the coy eyebrow waggle that came with that statement. As as only an otter can. I'm again in a mountain bunker with two otters. Unfortunately, I have my tech-savvy wolf to protect me from their ottery ways. Your virgin eyes. Oh, darling, I haven't <laughs> had those in about 20-some years. Consider that last episode we were recording while looking at porn. Yes. Did you have eye sex with someone? <laughs> last week we did. But we got the holidays coming up here. And we had a distinct lack of any email from people interested in talking about the holidays. So we're going to talk about them a little bit anyway. Just in terms of story writing, I've written a couple Christmas stories uh, that... But at least one that wasn't really so much a Christmas story just kind of took place around Christmas. But the other one really played on family tensions. And, you know, the holidays are a great time for adult kids to come back to their families and really bring together all the tension there and have things explode. And I have two silly Christmas stories. I don't know if I posted the one I wrote. No, I did write that one. Or post it. Have I posted two Christmas stories or one? I don't even remember. Was that the one with the trying to find a present for the one? So you were thinking of Gift of the Magi? Oh, yeah. That, that was that one where the husband bought the tail comb for his wife and she cut off a tail to feed their baby or something. Why do babies eat tails? Just, we just don't know. It's just one of those things from the olden days, you know, like plum pudding. You know, it's not really survived in its true form down to us. I'm glad our technology has advanced. I am, too. Thanks to technology, we get to bring this conversation to you at home. <laughs> Where you're no doubt enjoying your own traditional tail candy. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I wish I was that fox. No, wait. You um, are that fox. I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! It's so good, you sometimes forget. <laughs> Hooray for Zoidberg! <laughs> Oh boy, I'm a little tired tonight. I apologize <laughs> to y'all. We'll just take advantage of it. Yes, and you already are. So we have um, one NaNoWriMo email that came in a little bit late, and we have one relationship email. And uh, we're going to read those, and then we have an email that we have been um, horrifically neglectful of, which has been sitting around since September, which was a very well-thought-out long email, and uh, we're going to go through that one. Do uh, I guess I start. Okay. So this one is from Condrell again. He says, hello again. You asked in your previous episode for comments from writers who have had relationships with people who don't read or enjoy their writing. 
I had to pause the show to write this because that's exactly the situation I'm in now. My husband and I have been together for eight years, just over three of those married, thanks to UK gay marriage laws. They're so much more advanced over there, despite the fact that they have plum pudding and tail eating and whatnot. And in that time, he's read perhaps one out of every ten of my stories. It's not that he doesn't read, it's just that he doesn't seem to enjoy reading my stuff. It's difficult, but maybe not as difficult as you'd imagine. Don't get me wrong, I'd be absolutely overjoyed if he enjoyed my writing as much as I enjoy creating it, but you simply can't infect someone with interest. I appreciate, in fact, that he doesn't patronize me by pretending. Everyone's had someone, a mom, a grandmother, a loved one, etc., who believes it's beneficial to encourage no matter how poor the piece. Instead, I live for those rare, extremely rare these days, moments when my husband reads over something I've done and really, truly likes it. It's better by far than the combination of every half-hearted approval, cursory glance, and that's nice I've ever received. It does mean, though, that I find myself lacking a reliable source of editing and motivation. Sadly, the majority of constructive feedback I've ever had has come from random comments on Yifstar or FA. Review! Review! My Kingdom for Peer Review! Um, I don't think it's sad that the majority of your constructive feedback comes from Yifstar or FA. There's a... Well, more people on FA, I would say, than Yifstar, but a lot of people out there do read thoughtfully, and they'll tell you exactly what they like and don't like about the stories. On Yifstar, it tends to be mostly, well, that story appealed to my particular fetish, but... Well, on FA, people actually, there's there's a community of writers on FA who actually, you know, get out there and try to give feedback. And actually, I've found a lot of good feedback on Yifstar myself, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that, you know, the people who follow my stuff, though, are kind of not all that fetishy porny anyway. But I get a lot of comments from people who just sort of stumble across my stuff and they, I don't know, I, I guess they're happy enough that that's not what they find, that they are motivated to say something more than I came. So, I mean, I mean I've, I've got, I'm, don't get me wrong, I've gotten some good thoughtful comments on Yifstar, but um, I'm just saying it tends to be, I find it more on FA. I don't know what NotTube's experience has been. Well, I, I've only written the one, and it went into a book and went out into the ether. And, ah. Yeah. So I know uh, I know Tube writes some stuff, but it's all fetishy. And actually, you know, if you write good fetish stuff, you get good comments too. Yeah. So that's you know, true. People are happy to find something in that genre that is actually entertaining to read. I guess I'm just saying, you know, people are really quick to discount Yifstar and FA as sources of commentary and critique, but uh, there's a lot of people on there that are trying real hard to do it. Just because sites are full of bad stories doesn't mean they don't have good readers. Exactly. Well put. Why don't you go on and read another email since you've been so good? Well, we haven't addressed the point about the whole husband not liking the writing. Well, he didn't really ask a question. I don't know. Did you have comments about it? That's a deal breaker, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not to bring in the 30 Rock. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say that, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, kind of a shame. He says at this one point that you can't infect someone with interest. And on the one sense, that's true. I do think that if you have a piece that you're particularly proud of, I think you should be able to say, hi, would you please read this? It would mean a lot for me to know what you think. If you've been with somebody for eight years, I think that you're in a position that you should be able to ask that. Yeah, but I, I, I kind of see the problem where if you're pushing it on someone like, um, you know, Kit's much more into wine than I am. And if he found a variety of wine that he really liked and said, you know, I really want you to taste this, I really want to know what you think of it, I would taste it, but 
I'm not going to be able to offer any kind of constructive feedback like, wow, that's really good or wow, that's not really good because I don't have the breadth of experience to be able to contribute to that. So, you know, you could write a story that you really like and want your partner to read it, but if it's not something he's already enthusiastic about, then what you're going to get is, you know, you're going to force him to sit down and, you know, I don't, and it, it's not, I don't know. I will say, I know that can be disappointing, but also, um, in the interest of not taking it personally, um, just like, you know, I have a lot of movies at home and some of them I've bought because I found them cheap and there are movies that I really, really wanted to watch, but I've never seen them because I own them. And I think oh, I can watch that anytime. You know, it's, it's for some reason, it's harder to get around to, doing things that you want to do if it's really convenient. It's like New Yorkers living in New York City and not going to Statue of Liberty. You know? Right, or living out in the Bay Area and not visiting Alcatraz. Well, I've been, I've been four times. I, I lived in the area been, for like five I've, years. I've been before. at least once. I, I worked in San Francisco for like four years before I saw the Golden Gate Bridge with my own eyes. <laughs> How did you even do that? I, you can see it from like everywhere in San Francisco. I work on the exact opposite end of San Francisco <laughs> from where the bridge is. Bridges but, in the northwest. I work in the southeast. But yeah, that's a good that's a good point too, and well taken. And I guess I wasn't I didn't have that much to say about it because I think it sounded like he, he's making it work, like he's he's disappointed. But for him, that's not a deal breaker. That's clearly they haven't broken up after eight years. If it were a deal breaker, it would have come up long before now. Right. But okay, so yeah, I will move on to this is from Kite Phoenix. Hey, Kite Phoenix. He says, okay, so not everything went exactly as I had planned uh, it to last month, November which was NaNoWriMo. Basically, I ended up with some part-time work, which effectively killed off all my free time. So instead of managing to get squat done on this little project, it ended up getting pushed so far onto the back burner, it's a little ridiculous. It was basically a case of, I can write, but if I write, I'm going to be totally ignoring someone important to me, and I just can't do that. So because I do still intend to go through this whole 50,000 words in 30 days thing, I'm just shifting the timeline for myself personally. Yay for being responsible for your own projects. So yes, now it's time for It's Not NaNoWriMo. Same rules are going to apply, including the weird one I set for myself. Namely this whole, if you send me in an idea, any item, or anything you want, I will put it into the novel. It's just not going to be set in November. So P.S. Since you asked, and no, you can't change your ideas, but you can add more if you want, my story is being set in a modern day university. Which makes... I, I was the one who suggested the like, 50s style... Fennec airplane mechanic, so good luck fitting that one in there. I think you could have him as like a cosplayer. Like he's really into steampunk or whatever, so he sort of dresses up as a 50s airplane mechanic, and that's his thing. The, okay. I, I used air it. quotes for thing. No, yeah, I can dig that. It's kind of sexy. Yeah. At least to me it is. I mean, Fennec Fox airplane mechanic is sexy anyway. Oh, yeah. But is it more sexy if it's a guy pretending to be an, a 50s airplane mechanic, or if it really is? Well, that depends on why he's dressing up. Okay, he's not dressing up because of a serious mental disorder. I mean, if it's like a bedroom role-play thing, you know, like his, you know, partner really wants to have sex with a 50s airplane mechanic, and so he dresses up like that, that's kind of hot. So he's like the keto drawn on his wall? Uh, <laughs> damn, now I need porn on my wall and a Fennec Fox boyfriend. Um, I'm two steps away from happiness. <laughs> well, the porn on the wall is easy. Okay. Two out, one out of two ain't... That's not how that song goes. No, it ain't. Damn it. Sorry. Um, but, you know, kudos to you for keeping up the project. You know, as we said last month, as we said last week, um, just because the calendar rolled over to December doesn't mean you have to stop writing. 
And the whole point of NaNoWriMo is to get you motivated to write and to keep writing. And I think, personally for me, I think the point of NaNoWriMo is to get to the point where you don't have to participate in it anymore. That it's really a motivational tool and that it should get you to the point that you're just writing all the time or at least as much as you want to be. That you don't need that kick to get you started and you shouldn't stop when it's over. But that's just me. I don't know. What do you guys think? I've never done NaNoWriMo, nor written a novel. so. Uh, but it sounds good to me. I'm for it. All right. Anything you can use as motivation, you should use as motivation. Sort of like self-flagellation of the soul. In what so, way at this thought? So I'm kind of curious now, because we had, we did have a bunch of people that were going to do NaNoWriMo, and there's a bunch of writers out there. So what do you guys out there, you guys who are listening, what do you use for motivation because we've talked about our motivations a bit on this show, and we can talk about it a little more when some of the letters come in. But what do you use as motivation to write? How do you motivate yourself? Write us in. Let us know. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear that. Um, and on the topic of writing guidelines, we'll uh, let not to read this letter, which is, we apologize that it's been sitting around for so long. This is from Blender, who's, who's, yes. a, uh, who's, a, who's a cool guy. And, yeah, and he's a good writer. Good writer and a good artist. Hey, guys. I've been listening to your podcast since the first episode, and I think you finally found a comfortable groove. The show is funny, easy to listen to, and best of all, informative. While I've only written a few stories with animal characters, I do a lot of writing outside the fandom, so I've enjoyed your broader advice on characters, plot, and storytelling in general. On top of that, I'm a fan of both of you. So there's the stalker factor as well, winky face. <laughs> In all seriousness, I've found your advice relevant to all kinds of fiction writing, and I enjoy listening to your banter. All the haters can talk to the hand. I don't have a question for you. It's actually a delayed response to a question you received in the second episode. A listener asked for some book recommendations to help with grammar and style, but you seemed unsure where to point him. Don't me wrong, Elements of Style is a classic, but I thought I might offer a few contemporary recommendations. 1. A Pocket Style Manual by Diana Hacker is the best reference text on English mechanics in print today. I realize that's a bold statement, but trust me, I have read countless wannabes during my college years. It's actually a condensed version of Hacker's more comprehensive textbook, A Writer's Reference, but that's what makes it perfect for both new and experienced writers. It's cute, spiral-bound, and easy to take with you. Everything is tabbed for quick reference. This was my Bible in college. I still keep it handy for those times I confuse whoever with whomever. 2. Elmer Leonard's Ten Rules of Writing is a quick read. Seriously, you can breathe through the whole, breeze through the whole thing in five minutes or less at Barnes & Noble. It's fully illustrated, with each rule separated into its own page like a storybook. It's worth owning a copy because it's funny, enlightening, and ideal for pulling off your bookshelf whenever you need a quick shot of inspiration. His best advice is, try to leave out the parts that readers tend to skip. So simple, yet so true. Oh, Elmer Leonard. 3. On Writing by Stephen King starts off as a memoir, but a great deal of the book is addressed to aspiring writers. He itemizes what a writer should keep in his toolbox and expounds on a number of his grammatical pet peeves, especially the overuse of adverbs. Especially the... <laughs> he also emphasizes the importance of reading for pleasure. In his words, if you don't have time to read, you don't have the time or the tools to write. So with that, I should run off and go read something. In the meantime, keep up the good work. Maybe someday I'll write in with an actual question. Namaste, Blender. 
And we promise if you do write in with an actual question, we will read it in less than three months. Like I said, this is a delayed response to yes. a question for the second episode, and this is <laughs> and, our very and this delayed is a delayed reading, reading of, of our that delayed response. response. Well, we might not read it in less than three minutes. That was long, Blender. That was, that was. Um, but I will, I will say, I've not read the first one, but I have seen Elmore Leonard's Ten Rules of Writing condensed into just the ten rules, right. um, and those are great. Elmore Leonard, uh, if if uh, you guys don't know who he is. Is the writer of Get Shorty and uh, Rum Punch and Be Cool. Uh, Rum Punch is what... Uh, didn't he write Jackie Brown? Or the book that Jackie Brown was based on? Did he? I'm not sure. I don't remember. I don't remember. Rum Punch was turned into a movie, but I can't remember which movie it was. But he wrote Get Shorty. He's very much about the punchy sentences, great dialogue, uh, great characters, stuff like that. And... Um, so and his ten rules, I don't remember them offhand, but they were I remember thinking they were great. And Stephen King's on writing we've talked about before. It's a great book. Yeah. And, I think at one point you said like let's stop getting down on our knees in front of Stephen King. <laughs> Did I say that? We 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 do tend to, to do that a lot, but it's worth pointing out. Stephen King, if you ever listen to this, you're welcome to come on our podcast anytime. Yeah, seriously. Um You can find our mountain bunker. There might be some sort of strange adventure in it for you. Uh, there will at least be some kind of quality alcohol. We can guarantee that because we have a tech-savvy wolf and a wine-savvy wolf as well. Um, so, yeah, those are those are great recommendations. I'll have to check out that pocket-style manual. And uh, you guys should check out Blender's site too because he's on Furfinity is just Blender, yeah. like the kitchen appliance. And uh, he does great comics, and uh, I've enjoyed what writing I've read of his as well. He gets a lot of wry smiles out of me. Yes. I actually thought his... Um, the work of his that sticks in my head the most was the uh, Dog's Days of Summer mashup with the Big Lebowski. Oh my god, that was hilarious. <laughs> that, was, that was really <laughs> awesome. But uh, kind of in that vein, uh, Not Tube and myself did a couple workshop writing exercises recently, which were writing pieces with an ear toward the sound and cadence and rhythm of the words. And so these are pieces that are meant to be read aloud, meant to be listened to and enjoyed. And since we have Not Tube here as a special guest, uh, we thought it might be nice to read the exercises we did on this podcast. And we have tasked our other otter friend with writing his exercise for the next one. Okay. I can do that. You better. I, I, I shall. I, right. I won't be here to bring repercussions, so that'll have to fall too. You. I will do my best. I always try to keep this otter in line. Ooh. <laughs> I'm imagining the line now. Oh, yeah. It's not a very straight line. No, it's curvy. It's very curvy. <laughs> and slinky. But definitely not straight. No. Um. So why don't you go ahead and read yours, and then I'll read mine. No. Since All you right. made me read mine first earlier. These weren't supposed to make sense, right? Cause, no. Okay, good. Not at all. All right. In pale and bare rooms, he slept and sat and ate and paced, and looked out of glass at eyes that stared back and fingers that tapped on his panes. There was grass and cold stone that grew hot in the sun, and small trees and fresh meat once a day. On dry days when the crowd was loud, 
and kids screamed and growled at him and left smears of oil on the glass. He would not say his glass. Then there was too much pain to think of days gone, and he would curl in the shade and wait. But in the cold night, when the stone bit through his fur, he would dream. He would remember when he was the wild fire cat. He chewed through the jungle rapaciously. The sinews of his thighs were coiled serpents. He bounded. He pounced. He satiated his round stomach with gasping ibis and succulent quail and plump peacock, gorged on wild boar and supped on civet. His world was windowless. He splashed into intimate streams where gavial lurked and chased them onto gritty, glittering beaches. He sprawled b below fronds under midday sun and listened to the defiant cries of the drongo and the susurrus of the leaves. He would slumber concealed until awakened by the shrill beat of the dusk insects, rousing him to prowl. But here, here there were bugs to wake him, to tear him from his dream, to leave him to stare under the cold moon at new walls. They kept him. They looked like stone, but they reeked with the burn and stink of paint and the wax from the hands of meat of apes that shrieked and stared, but that he could not catch. Very nice. That is very nice. That was actually better the second time I heard it. So just rewind and play it again, and uh, yeah. And there you go. Close your Do eyes it yourself, while listening. kid at home. Exactly. <laughs> You're laughing at me. <laughs> I don't know what he's laughing at. Do it yourself, kid at home. Yeah, that's that's what I thought you were <laughs> laughing at. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I've not approved this franchise. Maybe you Blender can write Why a comic about we? it. What? Maybe Blender can write a comic about it. <laughs> don't give him ideas. Isn't that what our show is about? <sighs> Damn you. <laughs> Damn otters ganging up on a fox. Now you're giving me ideas. I will uh, take them home with me tonight. You should. I fully uh, intend to. <laughs> <laughs> I can't force you to leave them here. If you do, if you did, who's who knows what they'd get up to? Right. Those ideas on their own can be uh, get up to some. You wrote a story trouble. about that. I did. Yeah, it was hot. <laughs> it was. And there was a snow leopard in it. And about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really only said that to make you squirm. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> you started making him make animal noises, so I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, any time you can do that. Of course, it's not hard with otters. That's y debatable. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor kid. All right, I'm going to read my right exercise so we can wrap this up. Um, so this was my exercise. The hiss and splash. The rain comes down in sheets and showers, soaking the ground. Flora squishes her feet through the soft slime. Splashing and sliding with glee, little soaked-through arms waving, wet washrag of a tail slapping happily behind her. It's a gray day, but her baby blues are bright, though her ears fall down against the showers and the water drops spray from her whiskers. She is a streak of red and white, gathering henna from the clay ground. The black of her forepaws turns shiny sienna from runs through the playground, back and forth like a flash through the frame of the window. Russet wood borders the window, kitchen lights picking the nicks and marks of years from the flowing grain. Karen's eyes flick from the frame to the glass, so flat and clear it could be a screen showing home movies, flicks of rain like specks of age on the film. Her paws are sleek with murky water, moving deliberately across plates and bowls in a loop, 
a rinse, scrub, rinse, next, that is second nature to her. The hot water hisses over her fingers, splashes against the cold plate, while her eyes are outside, darting through the rain, bright splashes of color playing in the window frame. Beware the Jabberwock, my son. I have to put on my Jim Dale reading voice for that. Hear you say the word cock in your Jim Dale voice. You can just go back down to Sheath Presents number one for that. Rewind. Repeat. Um, and I think that's so, our... Very nice, by the way. Just saying. Thank you. Thank very, you. very pretty. It falls lightly was, upon the ear. It was, it was not at all done at the last minute. <laughs> it was planned way, way, way in advance. Note to self, this is what it sounds like when Kyle plans. It's not as funny if you're not typing. I was going to say, isn't that, like a, <laughs> isn't that a song by Prince? Uh, Do doves cry when Kyle plans? I, I'm not. No, people, people cry when I write stuff. I'm though. slow with these otter jokes. I don't get them. It's uh, it's utterly baffling, perverse, and often baffling. <laughs> so I would just like to say that not Jacoby is also in the room, and he now hates Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> were you? Weren't you the one who said that puns were the fart jokes of the eighteen hundreds or the seventeen uh, hundreds? Uh, the of the intellectuals, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, anyway, so those were a couple of writing exercises. If you're interested in trying something like that, the idea was. Write something without so much worrying about plot, without worrying about story or what's going on, but just write a short segment and think about how it sounds. Read it back aloud to yourself. Think about the cadence. Um, Read it not, aloud while you're writing it. Yeah. But don't try to deliberately use meter or anything. Right. Or don't make it a... a um, it shouldn't be a poem. Don't make it a poem. Um, not Tube did a lot with word choice and word length. He varied the, the way in the two sections of his piece of the the frame and then the middle section um the syllables varied the um the way that the words were presented in the frame it was very clipped and short short words he uses a lot of assonance with similar vowel sounds paired together um i used a lot of alliteration and sort of recurring and i i tried very much to use words that not quite onomatopoeia, but close. Hiss and splash for water. Those are onomatopoeia. There, there's another word from there called like like psycho memes or something. You're a psycho meme. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're very they're very common in in Japanese actually. Uh, wow. <laughs> that that broke me. On that on All that right. note, I think um, that. But that, anyway, no, yeah. so. And and I was trying to do things like associate colors, and I use a little bit of meter, a little bit of sort of rhyme embedded in the sentences. Um, and I know you, not Tube, did some stuff with meter and his too. Just the way the sentences flowed, not necessarily rhyming, but repe- repeated Your cadences rhythmic, yeah. and stuff. So um, think in those terms and just try to write something that sounds pretty. And what we were talking about a little earlier is. You don't necessarily want to write an entire story like this. You might. It might not be a bad thing to do. I've read stories like that. But you use it at particular points in a longer work where you really want to um, 
you really want to catch the reader's attention. You, important sentences, epiphanies, endings, stuff like that. That's a great place to practice this. It's interesting because um, um, I think you can use it where there's areas that it's, it's prose and, and you need it there, like maybe a description. That's the mm -hmm. thing where there's not a lot happening, but you can make that prose uh, stand out and make it interesting to read even if there's not a lot happening. Right. Yeah. A good thing. So anyway, give it a try. Came here, Sockings, distracted by his iPhone. I'm trying to look at what that word is that I'm thinking of. That's all right. We'll do it for next time, or we'll post it with the episode. Um, okay. So. I'm seeing the word idiophone pop up. You're an idiophone. Which, uh, oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Phenomime, not psychomeme. Oh, that's, that's not funny if I say that one. Yeah. That's That's the word I was looking for. Actually, you're an idiophone is funnier than you're a psycho meme. <laughs> oh, no, no. So, yeah, See, yeah. Those are all about, again, I mean, and this is all about writing. It's all about how the words sound. I Actually, mean, I just confirmed psycho meme is an actual word as well. So I wasn't just making that up. I didn't think you were making it up. I'm the language guy on the show. Is that like when you take what Muppet are you and you get animal? <laughs> Uh, I'd probably be like Skeeter. Skeeter or Scooter? A Scooter. Scooter's the boy. <laughs> Damn it. I walked right into that. You led yourself into it. I meant Scooter. <laughs> I haven't seen the Muppets in a long, long time. Give me a break. I think I'd be one of the two critics. Waldorf. And Kit would be the other one. Yeah, probably. They were gay. Oh, yeah, they were like fabulous queens of, you know, the 1920s kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Oh, this production is terrible. Um, I did that with the wrist flick for all y'all. And the pink shirt really sells it, too. <laughs> yes. Anyway, all right, we're digressing now. We're just sort of rambling on, so thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm Kyle Gold. Write us at unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at unsheathed on F.A. And I am Cam Hirasaki. Keep on uh, sending in those those letters. We're always glad to hear from y'all. And I'm not Tube, and I have nothing to add. Good night.